Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. What up? It's uh, Sunday, July 23rd, 2023. Another soft launch Sunday. It is. But we only have one of those left after this this week. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, Just man, one more. The 30th. That's and a big deal. Then we're like a formally. A real church. A real church. We're going to be all grown up. Right. Uh, yeah, it is weird because we feel like we're, we're, we're doing it. Like We and, are. And we are doing it. But it was kind of an in-house. We're practicing for the real thing. Right. So, yes, I get that. But we're we're gonna be a form like we're gonna actually be inviting people to come to this for real. Right. Starting in August. We, this is only for fakesies. Like, hey, just pardon our dust. Right. But August we're we're gonna be real. We might even get like our own Yelp page or something like we, that. We yeah, we've refrained from this point but putting anything online in a formal capacity, minus our website and right. all of our promotional material on social media. But besides that, <laughs> we haven't put all a whole lot into it. There's nowhere you can go and review us right now. Not yet. And I kind of like that. Yeah, me too. Maybe we'll leave it that way. For a little bit. Yeah. Only the first five years. After we get on our feet. Then, yeah. After we have enough people that it doesn't matter. (laughs) 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 No, we, uh, yeah, we're excited. We've got uh, this week, next week, and then August 6th is going to be a big day and we're going to celebrate it. Yeah. It's going to be a banner day for us, a a red letter day, as they say. I don't know where that phrase came from. Do you know where that, that phrase came from? Jesus. A red letter day? I mean, red letters, I think of Jesus automatically. Red letter in the Bible. Yeah, but like, like a calendar. Like, like you, especially you refer to like a calendar, Holy like day. a red letter day. Holy day. Were those written in red letters? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, right, yeah. So the, I guess, and the calendars I knew anyway growing up, the, the black letters were the normal days or the black numbers are the normal days. And then the red letter days were like the holidays, the, the days that were highlighted. Okay. I don't that know, makes man. sense. I, th- I was going back to Jesus, though. I, th- I thought there was some kind of correlation. Holy days, holidays, red letter, Jesus words. Although, you know, maybe you should talk about that. Why are Jesus words in red? I thought all the I thought all the word of God was the word of God. Why is Jesus words in red? The, Jesus words in red because an editor decided we were going to make Jesus words in red. Oh, the manuscripts weren't that way. No, the manuscripts wow. were were not that way. So someone just made a decision that they were going to make Jesus letters red. Right. <laughs> And that's why we have them. And that's why in some Bibles, you'll find John three sixteen in red and other Bibles, you won't find it in red because there's question, where does John pick back up in John chapter three? Where does Jesus yep. stop speaking? And so that's why something like that, you can't put a whole lot of weight in because there are parts that aren't as clear when we go through them. Aren't Jesus words more important than the rest though? Not if we take the doctrine of inspiration as the doctrine of inspiration, which says that it's it's all from God, right? Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. Mm-hmm. Every word of Scripture is from God. It's it's written by man through the personalities of man, but it's the words that God wanted written and wanted recorded. So in that sense, they all carry the same weight and authority. That's right. We don't do Jesus any disservice to say that all the words of Scripture are all of God's words. Jesus' words are not more significant or less significant than the rest of it. It all works together. And Jesus would affirm that. Yep. By the way, while we were doing that, I, I was looking up what is a red letter day and why do we call it that? And so here is right? from the library.law.hawaii.edu. Super reliable. So the whole, I guess the University of Hawaii, their library says this. 
Why are Red Letter Days special? Because in medieval manuscripts, this ties into everything that we were just talking about. Uh-oh. The feast days or the special days on the calendar were written in red ink. The holidays? Yep. The holy days? As they, were put in, in, they were put in red ink. So that, that's why it's a Red Letter Day. Wow. I, I guess, sure, let's keep it. So there we go. I guess I, I vote to keep it. Yep. All in favor, say aye. 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 Hey, we are in uh, the Old Testament, so we're not seeing red letters in our Bibles. If not you yet. are then turn back a few books or dozen books or so to get back to the Old Testament because you might be in the Gospels. Um, But we're in in Psalm chapter 38 and then 39 and 40 as well uh, today. So uh, as we're diving in, we get the superscription in Psalm 38 that says a Psalm of David. And so again, we're we're David, although later on in the next couple of days, we're going to get into some different authors. Yeah, the sons of Korah. But Psalm chapter 38, Psalm of David, uh, you'll notice there then it says for the memorial offering. Uh, One thing that's a good practice for you is to consult multiple translations when you're doing your individual daily Bible reading. Uh, Not every day necessarily, but it's it's good to vary your reading as long as it's a good translation. And there are good translations out there. Uh, Obviously, we we use the English Standard Version as our primary text, but there's the Christian Standard Bible is a good version. Which we love. We do. Uh, the New American Standard Bible is a great version. The uh, no, the, uh, the Lexham English Bible, actually, on Lagos, is pretty good overall. Yeah. Um, but th- these are are reliable Bible translations in the sense that it's it's going to be good content. The content has not been overly paraphrased or anything else like that. And and yet, if you you go consult some of these other translations, you're not going to find it that it's going to say the memorial offering there in Psalm 38. It's going to be something along the lines of to cause to remember or to bring to mind or to bring to memory. And so the editors of the ESV have followed a a certain scribal tradition that connected Psalm 38 back to a specific offering within the temple, the memorial offering. But that's not necessarily what the Psalm was associated with. The Psalm was more just calling on God to remember and to call on God to remember was part and parcel with calling God to act in response to his remembering. And so oftentimes you would have the Israelites call on God, remember your covenant, God, remember your people, God. And, and the call there was that God would not just remember them and think, Oh yeah, I remember Israel. That's right. I forgot. But it was a call for him to, to act in response to his covenant promises. And so here you have David and, this uh, for the memorial offering is better rendered to cause to remember. Uh, David is is calling on God to remember his situation, to remember his circumstances, to remember his plight. And as Psalm 38 opens, he's suffering and he's uh, recognizing that this is suffering from God. Verse two, your arrows have sunk into me. Your hand has come down on me. Uh, There's no soundness in my flesh. There's some sort of illness that he has. Um, In fact, when it says there, there is no health in my bones in verse three, it's the Hebrew word shalom that's translated here as health. But overall, uh, sometimes you've heard it as peace or overall well-being, wholeness. And so he's saying, I'm not well right now. I'm not whole. And he attributes it to his sin in verse four. He's not like Job. He's pointing directly to his sin. He says, my iniquities, right? I've done this. My iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They're too heavy for me. Um, And he says, my wounds stink and fester. That's pleasant. That's gross. Yeah. Yikes. TMI. Yep. Yeah. But there's again, parallels with Job. Uh, And he says, but here, because of my foolishness, it's does God still do this? Or should we expect that our sickness, our illness, our cancer is in some way tied to God's discipline? He can. And I think, yes, he does, but is it ours to sit back and point the finger at somebody else in our life and say, you're suffering because God has 
disciplined you for some sin in your life. We don't need to be Job's friends, right? Yeah. Um, But I think if we're the ones suffering, it is a good practice for us to do as David has done so many times and and to say, Lord, search me. Yeah. Is this a result of sin in my life? And if it is, reveal the sin to me if I'm not aware of it so that I can confess it and learn what you're trying to teach me through this. Yeah, and the New Testament affirms that too. 1 Corinthians 11 is my go-to passage for this. When Paul talks about uh, the church at Corinth, he's saying some people, when you, you, you're taking the, the Lord's Supper in an unworthy fashion, such that some of you are weak and ill, and even some of you have died because you're doing this. And so it seems as though God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is willing to kill his servants to make them sick at minimum, but Mm. even to kill them in order to protect them from ruining their lives and and making a complete wreck of it. So this is instructive for us, even if we don't feel like we can know for certain that my sickness is tied to some kind of sin, but there should be, as you're saying, Pastor PJ, an openness and an open heartedness to say, Lord, if I'm guilty, please make me aware. Or or if I am aware of my guilt, man, confess it, repent, turn from it. Totally. Uh, verse eight, you'll notice that this is not just a, a physical uh, malady, but it's also in impacting him in, internally. Look at the the line there. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. That word tumult's not one we use very often. I use it. And uh, do you? All the time. Uh, tumultuous, right? We, right. That phrase, it's, it's been a tumultuous day. Do you go home to your wife and say, man, it was just tumultuous today? I try to find as many big words and unusual words just to make my family guess. <laughs> what, <laughs> what does, does that mean? mean by that? But the, the word in the Hebrew there, it's interesting. It's used in Isaiah 5, verse 30, as well of the the uh, the roaring of the sea. Oh. And so that unrest, and, no. and that's what he's feeling internally. And, and if you've gone through trials and suffering before, you felt that where your heart is churned up, the anxieties are churned up, the, the, the consternation is churned up, the frustration is churned up within you. And that's David here. And again, he's assuming this is because of what God is doing as a result of his sin and confessing that, which is where he eventually gets to as it goes on. But I mean, he's suffering a lot of what Job's, his, Job's friends abandon him. His friends, verse 11, abandon him. Uh, there's people that are after his life, verse 12, and, and seeking his his end. And he, he says, I've, I've got nothing, verse 14. I, I have no even rebukes or arguments to make. And I think part of that goes back to the fact that he's thinking that he's this guilty. is due to his sin, right? Yeah, I have nothing yeah. to say about that. And so I, I can't do anything other than what he says in verse 18. I confess my sin. I'm sorry for my sin. And uh, and then he pleads for God to deliver him in verses 21 and 22. So he's uh, lamenting, he's mourning, he's suffering because of sin, confesses that sin and asks God to uh, deliver him. And that's a good thing. We want a conscience that does afflict us when we're sinful. We don't want the the alternative, which is to feel no conviction to feel no weight to feel no tumult right because of our sin so as painful as this might be for us i think david helps us to see now this this is painful we don't want this we don't like this but this is evidence of the good hand of god upon us because he disciplines those whom he loves yep yeah psalm 39 then we get into another lament psalm and it seems to be redundant and repetitive in it and it is and yet I, I just think that's a good reminder to us as we read this uh, of the reality of the brokenness of the world that we're in. So good. I mean, suffering is a common plight of everyone, right? I mean, if, if we were to, to pull our church, everybody could talk about something that's go- going on in their life right now that would be uh, going wrong, right? And that's right. because n- none of us have a perfect life in order. All of us can point to some extension of the fall or curse of the fall or brokenness in our life and say, I wish it wasn't like this. And here you have David doing this in in the, the book of Psalms for us. And we can resonate with that because we live in the same broken world 
uh, that he did. And here he's, he's lamenting the fact that life is so short in the midst of this too. Uh, there's, there's suffering, there's trial, there's discipline. And he says, yet life is so brief and it's such a good prayer in verse four, Oh Lord, make me know my end. And what is the measure of my days? And let me know how fleeting I am. Mm-hmm. Such a, an important thing for us to remember our, our mortality, our brevity in life. Yeah, James 4.14, uh, our life is a mist and a vapor, here one moment, gone the next, essentially. This is something that I think is worth every Christian making a pattern of their life, to, to daily wake up and say, today could be it. Not in a morbid, morose way. I know we can mm. go wrong in that, but I, I do think, man, there's something good about daily thinking about the fact that this could be it. Am I living in a way that's consistent with what I really want for my life and for God's glory? Yep. Have I told my spouse I love them? When's the last time I hugged my kids? And when's the, when's the last time I did something to communicate my deep felt love and concern for the people closest to me? Have I done the things that I want to do for God's glory? Or am I at least on the right track for that? Man, make me know the end of my days. You have at most, on average, 77 and change years of life. I don't know how old you are, whoever you are listening to this, but how you doing? I know how much time do you have left? Uh, Oliver Berkman wrote a book called 4,000 weeks or something thereabouts. And you have on average 4,000 weeks of life to live. Some of us have passed that halfway point. Let it be known that you will die. And the death is a pop quiz. Typically you're not going to know when that's going to happen. Therefore be ready all the time. Mm. Know the end of your days, pray for wisdom. And then think about that. Let that motivate you to do some good things. Absolutely. hundred percent agree with that. And, and that leads into Psalm 40. One of the, the things that I love about Psalm 40, because one of the things I was thinking as well is, uh, lo- yeah, hug your kids or your wife, love your kids, lay the gospel before them, right? I mean, that's, we need to make sure that we're doing that with the people that need to hear the gospel in our lives That's right. because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And one of the things about Psalm 40 that I love, by the way, if you're a U2 fan, you may recognize some of the the words from this because they grabbed this song and wrote one of their songs. I think it's oh. called Psalm 40. Um, Very creative. Yeah. Bono, you know, whatever. I'm not a huge U2 fan, but I do remember that they uh, wrote a song on this. Uh, But look at verse three. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Why are they seeing and fearing and putting their trust in the Lord? Because of the testimony of the psalmist, Mm. because of the testimony of David saying, look, this is what God has done for me. God is so good. He's taken me out from the suffering. He's taken me out from the, the pit and he's set me on my feet. And now I've got a new song and there's so many that are fearing God now as a result of that. And so that that's an encouraging thing. Like we were just talking about, make sure you're doing what you need to do. And part of what we need to do is make sure that we are leaving in our wake, the, the gospel message behind us so that people know about the most important thing that we can testify to, which is what God has done in our lives. But Psalm 40 kind of breaks down into two parts. You've got verses one through 10, thanksgiving for what God has done in the past. And then verses 11 through 17, uh, again, another period of lament from David as David is lamenting what's going on presently in his life and asking God to do as he's done in the past and to redeem him and to preserve him and to care for him. And his prayer at the end is that all who seeks God would rejoice and be glad in him. Uh, One note here in verse 15, it talks about, aha, aha, right? I don't know if you've ever read that and been like, what, what, what is ah, that about? I gotcha. Ah. Well, yeah, that's kind of what it is. It's, it's a, it's an expression that was uttered at people taking joy in somebody else's suffering. Mm-hmm. And so he's talking there and, and there's a contrast in 15 and 16 when we understand that. Cause he says, let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. In other words, let those who are rejoicing over my trial and my shame, let them be put to shame. And then he says in verse 16, 
but let those who seek you be the ones that are rejoicing. So turn the joy of those that are against me into shame, but turn the shame of those who seek God into joy. Mm. And so there's this, this flip it on its head kind of request that David has there at the end of Psalm 40. That's interesting. And w- you want to know what the, uh, <laughs> what the Hebrew is for the word aha? Is it aha? You know, it's close. It's close. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give this my best shot without having cross-referencing. Hebrew with uh, Pastor Rod. That's right. He. Ach. 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 Let them not say that. Ach. Ach. <laughs> what would it be without the chech? I don't know if it would be as powerful. I don't know. I don't know. We're glad it's there. We're glad it's there. I am glad it's there. Yeah. You know what else I'm glad it's there is Acts chapter 23. <laughs> the transitions, man. You just never know how I'm going to get there, do you? I just think, I, yeah, let's do it. Well, that's the rest of our reading this morning. And it's uh, Acts 23, 12, 12 through 35. 35. It's like, here's verses one through 11. And then here's the rest of everything. And in 12 through 35, um, essentially, Providence. Yeah. Recall verse 11. God had just told Paul, you must also testify to about me in, in Rome. Okay. Now in the rest of 23, God's going to thwart the conspiracy to kill Paul before he gets to Rome because the, the enemies are still after Paul. In fact, look at verse 12. They're so consumed with rage and hatred for him that they bind themselves by an oath to not eat or drink until they had killed Paul. So I, I trust that these guys died then. Right. Because <laughs> they, they, they never got him. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they did. But I think about uh, just this scene and, and how cool it would have been in, in if this was like a, a movie that was filmed where Paul's in prison and the, the his nephew overhears what's going on and then comes to him and says, hey, this is what's going on. And he's like, go to the jailer. And then they, they, 470 people to escort one guy. <laughs> from there to 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 the way to to the delivery that they're getting him out of Jerusalem they're going to eventually take him up to Caesarea Philippi there but what a scene this must have been well i'm intensely curious about paul's family you get a glimpse into it right. he's got a sister Same. he's got a nephew it's like oh i want to know more about who who's his family paul i think and one of the commentators i was reading says that paul's family was likely a family of means which is why he might have been able to pay for those guys offerings yep. and he had some other support oh, man tell me more about that we don't find anything out if he's tutored by gamaliel that i mean right yeah. he's a he's a man of standing he had some clout his family had some clout for yeah, sure he's right tarsus well, he's sent to Felix, um, but he's, and this is going to be a common theme in the next few chapters. Nobody can find that, aside from the Pharisees and the Jews, can find anything that he's done wrong. And it, it gets quite comical eventually here, but he goes to Caesarea Philippi, which is pretty cool because if you go to Israel today, you can go to Caesarea Philippi and you can actually go to the very cell that, that you can still see the outline of it on the ground where they believe Paul was held. Crazy. Yeah. It's amazing. And uh, just a reminder that this is not just this is real life. This is real. Like this is history that we're reading about in the book of Acts. Unlike that guy that that lady was sitting next to on the plane. This is real. Did you hear about that? No. There's this gal on an airplane who I, I think she might've had a drink or two. At least that was my suspicion. <laughs> She's walking okay. off the plane saying, this guy is not real. I'm sitting next to this guy. He's not. Real. And She's like freaking out. <laughs> and someone has, uh, who, of course, people are recording it. And the internet went ablaze with this gal. There's memes about her now. And anyway. That's amazing. You're not real. That's amazing. Well, Paul was real. Paul was real. So is the Bible. So is the Bible. That was the point. Caesarea. And even more so than that, like we hope that you're going to be able to come to Israel with us someday to experience this because we want to get to Israel as quickly as we can. Can we just announce that? Hey, let's let's just uh, March. March 24. (laughs) We're going to go. Let's do it. 
no we uh we but we do want to get there quickly because it's a it's a trip of a lifetime I can't and it's so cool to go and see where so much of this has taken place but all that to say god's providence on display the jews think they're going to take paul out god says mm, no that's not going to happen i've got other plans for him not and today paul satan ends up yep in uh in caesarea philippi by the end of acts chapter 23 we'll catch you again tomorrow for another episode of the daily bible podcast hasta mañana Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Daily Bible Podcast.